Hello and welcome to Thoughts Calls on the 42.e brought to you in association with Air Sport. We have reached the deep end of the Champions Cup pool stages and it is sink or swim for two Irish provinces while Leinster float leisurely into the knockout stages. My name is Gavin Casey. I'm joined in studio by Sean Farrell of the 42. How are things, Sean? How are you doing, Gav? Keeping well, yeah. Interested in a few of those team selections that will... Uh have a bearing on, on the weekend ahead. Yes, indeed. We've got a special guest to talk us through them as well. Here's Johnny. Johnny Murphy, how are things? Thank God, guys. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Johnny, we were just uh, asking before we came on air there how your sleep situation is. Last time you were on, you were telling us uh, difficult times with the with the Bambinos. Things have improved? Yeah, yeah they have, yeah. Uh, we're probably at about 10 or 5, 6 hours since now compared to... Uh, Three hours better than you last. So uh, all going well. To be fair, my wife is uh, she's she's playing a blinder. So I'm only kind of called upon every second or third night. So it's, it's not too tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in thankfully. <laughs> you're you're taking the role of finisher. So, so fair play to you, Johnny. Uh, look, we might as well get the elephant yeah. of the room out of the way. Firstly, um, it's been a week. Well, probably ten days, dominated uh, by talk of doping in rugby, anti-doping, uh, Gerbrandt Grobler playing for Munster. Um, look, it's been covered to death in a way and we've heard different takes on it, particularly from journalists. You know, as a man who played for Munster, uh, you're familiar with the club ethos and, you know, you, you obviously have a, a grasp on, say, the fans' perception of what that club means to the area, the locality. Uh, if you were a player in that dressing room at the moment and you're playing alongside, training alongside that player, uh, Grobler, what do you make of the situation? Like, have have Monster and the RRFU kind of let their let Monster's players down by bringing this situation upon them, kind of out of the blue and seemingly for no reason? Uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think uh, the biggest frustration and probably uh, biggest disappointment. For me, upon it all was, you know, the first two Munster represent, rep, representatives to talk about it are Conor Murray and Peter Manning, who are two of the biggest names that Munster have. Um, I think that should have been someone who was front and centre in the signing of it and probably should have been taken away. I personally don't think any player should have been on media duty this week, given they knew where the line and the questioning was going to go. It was obviously going to happen. And the first two people to talk about it are his teammates. And it's putting the lads in an unfair situation. Um, I think that should have been someone from higher up in the organisation and it should have been spoken about. Interestingly enough, I know Philip Brown spoke about it the other day, but you know he doesn't directly have an input into that decision, as he stated the other day. And I think you know the guys who have essentially rubber-stamped this, one, Rassi's not there. Um, but the guys who are currently in situ who did rubber stamp it, they haven't answered anyone's questions on it. And I think from an ex-player uh, point of view, I find that quite frustrating because, um, you know, I'm quite friendly with the guys that are still there. And you're putting, you know, you know from a purely selfish point of view, you're putting friends in a really awkward situation that they, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to stand up for their teammates. That's the reality of team sports. As uh, far as they're concerned, um, Geraint has, has made a, an incredibly you know, bad judgment call. Uh, he was wrong, and it's something that shouldn't be tolerated in our game. 
But, you know, he's served his ban and he is now a teammate of theirs. So what are they going to do? They're going to stand by their teammates. That's just reality of the situation. And I think it's unfair that they were put in that situation in the first place. Yeah, Sean, like we were speaking beforehand, uh, just before we came on air, and I suppose our own opinions on it, you were kind of of the opinion that, like, yeah, sports people should have a second chance. I was kind of saying, yeah, but it shouldn't be... Uh, like a two-year ban isn't a strong enough deterrent, but you pointed out that it has now been extended and has been for the past two years. Yeah, I mean, Munster fans have been uh, quick to quick to throw the name Carl Duffaver around this week, and he was on a rival a rival Facebook live show. Uh, <laughs> That's all we, we can mention. Ball, we uh, can mention them, yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting interview. But but he made the very good point that this rule has changed now. So if Gerhard Grobler did fail that test, now it would be a four-year ban. Uh, that was changed in 2015, um, but <laughs> absolutely, it's it's been a it's been a hell of a week one way or the other. Absolutely, like it was interesting as well. I did. Sorry, Johnny, I go on. I, I do think um, you know, and look, Paul Kimmage and these guys, they can sometimes you know they can, for the want of a better word, kind of not sensationalize it, but you know what I mean. They can kind of go after something that that sometimes is, it might not be there or they try and get the most out of it. But this is one of the topics that I actually have agreements with, with, with Paul on and the fact that everyone deserves a chance at redemption, 100%. Um, and there are second chances, and that's fair. But I do think there is some credibility in the fact that there needs to be, he needs, you know, I, I think Garant at some stage needs to come out and speak about it maybe not now but sometime and give details of what happened like uh, I think that father has done I've seen programs where he's gone in and spoken to people about the decision he made and how bad it was and how it's going to affect him for the rest of his life I've seen a program on World Rugby and he does that now with kids and tries to educate kids in the correct way who are 15, 16, 17 and that is a real chance that is trying to change the game for the better um, but you know and I, I think some months are fine. They're, they're, they're correct in, in using him as an example because I think that is an opportunity now um, for Garant to do something in that regard in later, may not be now, but certainly later on in, in his career. Yeah, and like I, I thought it was interesting as well. You mentioned Philip Brown a minute ago, Johnny, and he did obviously address the situation, but I know when it was put to him that, like, is there a possibility that down the line another player who had been previously banned for doping might line out for an Irish province, he labelled it a nonsense question, and you're kind of like, um, is it really? Because, you know, this happened as recently as six months ago, you've made this decision, I know it wasn't Brown himself, but the decision was made, and therefore there's surely credence to asking, will it happen again? I mean, is it purely because people get a bit cranky that they changed their policy completely on this second chance concept? Uh, look, the Look, my hope is, is the right people aren't answering the questions, and that's that's something that I feel quite strongly about. Um, you know, in the in the transcript that Munster sent back, they you know was there due diligence done and was it spoken about? I think was one of the questions, and the answer was yes. Okay, um, <laughs> elaborate, please. Um, like, look, I'm not look. You know, Munster's obviously very close to my heart and stuff, and you know, I, I, I just I, I get quite frustrated with the organisation at times in terms of how they handle things like this, um, because you know they need to, sometimes the best 
or the best for the call is stand up and say, okay, unfortunately we made a decision, we have to stand over that decision now, looking back on it, it might have been the wrong one, but he is here now, he is going to play, we have given him a second chance, you may think it's wrong, that's fine, we made a decision as an organisation that we were going to give him that chance after he played somewhere else, maybe in the future that, that it won't happen again, but that's the decision we made. We have to stand over that. But at the moment, the right, the bright people aren't answering the questions, and that's kind of a frustration that I have. Um, you know, and you know, the brand is affected, like it or not, is affected by this. Um, that's just reality. Um, but you know, I, I think sometimes you just have to hold your hand up, and actually, the right people answer the questions. Um, rather than two of your most senior players and putting them in a really, really tough situation. As you say, Johnny, I think the, the handling of this has been the, the big issue. I mean, if uh, Gerber Grobler is he's entitled to play, uh, the big issue, I think, is, is that the IRFU ha have said that they have a zero-tolerance policy. Uh, they do great work in a proactive way to kind of uh, educate young players and... Uh, prevent doping in this country but then when it suddenly comes on our doorstep it's it's like you say there was a change of policy I think the problem was that there was no policy there was no policy to change and um, there should have been if you have a zero tolerance policy it's not enough then to have such a big gap below that yeah I know, but I, I think as well like for you mentioned like the, the problem co comes to our doorstep but they they brought the problem to our doorstep, and I, like I, it's unfortunate to label. Look, he is a human being at the end of the day. Like we're calling him a problem. And and another thing is like for Monster, like as you were saying there, Johnny. Yeah, Monster could come out and say, well, maybe we made a mistake here. Sorry about that. But it, it would put him in an absolutely terrible position, given they had made the decision to bring him there. To then say they regret that decision, it kind of compromises his entire ability to, you know, enjoy himself within the organization and and earn a living as. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but he, yeah, he, he's contract, so he, he's going to be a monster player there, you know, but I think everyone, and, and it's very hard on him to be in this situation, and I think there's a few people that, yes, okay, he made a, he made a decision, he was wrong, Jesus, fine, okay, he's, he served his time within the laws of the game, um, but he is now cast into all this and he doesn't really know where where he is. Where you know you, you can have meetings with someone in private, and then say something completely different, or say, "Look, we have to say this because this is how we have to handle it." And then he knows the situation. Where at the moment, it's just his teammates, as any teammate would do, and that stand by their you know their fellow teammates. So yeah, look, there is a frustration, but I do think now it, it has been spoken about a lot, and we need to. It's it's happening. This is where we're at. So people need to move forward with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the perfect segue to discuss what's actually happening on the pitch this weekend. It is a massive, massive weekend for Munster. Um, look, we've seen them in this position before where you get down to the last day. You need a victory at home or even sometimes a four-try bonus point victory. <sighs> like, I can't help but feel <laughs> that the cast, the cast or draw uh, in the south of France was a missed opportunity for Munster where this weekend might have been almost taken care of for them had they won a game that they probably should have won but even as recently as last weekend in Paris I thought 
I actually thought like Munster came away from that game with a lot of credit where I actually thought they were poor in large parts like that game was again similar to the Castor game definitely there for the taking and they kind of sh- continuously seem to shoot themselves in the foot in some of these away games like I don't know you'd expect them to get the job done this weekend uh, Johnny but you know they've probably made a little bit harder work of it than was necessary um, possibly yeah look I, I think there's one big key factor in all this and that's probably their discipline in, in, in the fact that it just goes against momentum where in the previous two games against Leicester they were you know they were so good in that area and they had a dip over the kind of the Inter-Pro series and then you know last week it just it shifts the momentum after they score or they're on top and they give away a penalty and then you know they emerge 10 yards those little things they just it's it, they seem to be a bit frustrated over the last four weeks for for whatever reason um but I think they played quite well last week, certainly in patches to get themselves. But I think there's some isolated incidents that you can look at that go, they don't do that, they don't do that, they win. I think that's where the frustration comes from. Um, but I think they've layered their attack and varied their way of, of playing quite well um, over the last two or three months. And they are, there is huge improvement in... Um, in in what they're trying to do, um, and being a bit more, uh, you know, playing with a bit more width, uh, being a bit more expansive, so they are definitely moving in the right direction. They get a good win this weekend, and you know they hopefully get a home quarter. No one's going to want to come to Dover Park, and then you see where you are after uh, when you get to the semis. You know, this discipline aside, they are great to watch now, Johnny, aren't they? I mean, this is a completely different attacking setup to what we've seen from them getting to a, a semi-final last season. Yeah, and I, I think that's something, and you know, very, you know, quite publicly last year, Rassi said, look, I'm not going to jump straight to stage four here. I'm going to make sure that they're really good at kick chase, kick receipt, and ball carry off nine, and then we develop. And he got them to an incredible stage. They now are layering it now, and there's more variation in what they're doing with short runners and runners out the back. And they have, you know, with the size they have in terms of Chris Farrell in the back line, you can vary that quite a lot. So, um, yeah, look, they are. Last week was, you know, it was a weird game to watch because you didn't know what way the atmosphere was because of the stadium and all that kind of stuff. But when you actually. If you watched it just from a rugby perspective, it was a great game, and they played really, really well in patches. Yeah, Johan van Graan has made any changes to the team. I suppose we usually associate an unchanged team with maybe a good victory, but I can't help but feel on this occasion it's actually the right call again in that they did come close to a, a fantastic victory last weekend, and it gives the same players the opportunity to right some of the wrongs that you're talking about there, Johnny, those little incidents that probably cost them the game. Yeah, and I think they can, if they get, uh, you know, if they can put the squeeze on cast early, the cast coach obviously came out and said, oh, after last week's um, game, he was like, oh, now that'll teach the media for showing we don't take Europe seriously, even though we're kind of out already, and so on. But I think if if Munster can put the squeeze on um, and not, you know, they get a score, not let cast back into the game, try and build her for, you know, they go 7 10 nil up. You don't want a case where it's 10-3, 10-6, 10-9 then at halftime. You're under a bit more pressure. So if they can get a couple of early scores, just build the score 3-6-9 themselves and then put the squeeze on at French side at home, you would think, and history is 
dictates this that they would walk for they would go for the gate with about 20 minutes to go where you can hopefully pick up those you know those third and fourth four tries which would hopefully guarantee them a, a home quarter as a player Tony going into uh, this type of game I think as a supporter you're looking at permutations and tables and as things stand tables and all this as a player like are you aware of I don't know like are you aware of kind of like points different or points difference and little things like that or is it like we hear all the time oh we need to just win uh, the game first but you know for some of these teams it's not going to be enough so how do you deal with that as a player yeah well, you just have to try and get out what you, what you want the, the maximum you can out of the game um, like you know you do know if you you do know about the game that if you get a bonus point win you get a home quarter you know those things so that's your target it does affect um, it affects the captains and the kickers uh, decision making not probably in the first 10 15 20 minutes but certainly at 30 or 40 minutes that just those decisions are you know you've scored a try you're 15 nil up okay here we'll go for the corner in the kickable position or we might take a scrum that it does affect your decision making compared to other games uh, in terms of the the sides that need to other results go their way you only have to look after your own shop and decide you know get what you can and then hopefully things fall your way I remember when we beat when I was over next year we beat we beat Munster and Cone Park we knew going into that game about 25 minutes 30 minutes before kickoff we got to lose a bonus point we were in the quarterfinals you know so there was first targets it was about trying to stay with them and then keep and then keep going uh, obviously the game went a bit changed perspective you know change perspective after loses try but you do know what you need to do but if it's outside your control you just have to take what you can get and maximize what you can get out of the game in monsters case i, I think it helps that that this game is, is pretty early in the weekend i mean they they get to they have a pretty straightforward uh, calculation they need they need that win and bonus point and the points difference doesn't really matter too much to them so they can just focus on getting those four tries and uh, probably the chase and pack won't won't win by as much as they did. well I, I get, we'll see how uh, obviously the other games transpire but yeah as you mentioned monster know what they need to do Ulster have a fair idea as well I mean like and I suppose if you're talking about monster having an advantage playing early the fact that Ulster will know exactly what they need to do mm. because they're playing late on the Sunday um, may uh, be of benefit to them like I suppose also are almost like a metaphor for this final uh, pool stage round where kind of nobody really knows what's going to happen it's just sort mm. of like sit down watch them and you know we'll see um, but obviously going to the Rico Arena a lot of it is going to depend as well I think on the start of this game Sean in that like if Ulster steal an early lead like Wasps already kind of have a mountain to climb and at that point it may in their heads become a little bit too steep and then you could see Ulster pull off this well historic victory really probably for yeah. yeah I mean they can break your heart every other week Ulster I mean that they're always capable of that Amazing win last weekend, as, as they showed last season, beating Claremont at home as well. And then they can just show up and or not show up, as the case mm. may be, the following week. But as you say, yeah, start is everything. I mean, once they show that attitude, once they show that they have their their uh, their head right, as it's sh- as they showed against La Rochelle last week, they were they were in danger of being steamrolled for the first twenty minutes last weekend. But you could see in every engagement, every contact. That there were arms flailing, they, they they meant business, they meant serious business. And then when the game did eventually turn their way, they were able to keep the foot down and, and, and keep powering on. And that 
that's the only kind of way they need to not think too much about uh, the state the rest of their season has been in and just kind of uh, yeah they'll be putting everything into this what do you make of their uh, how they're shaping up Johnny going into this one obviously they're coming in on the back of a a fantastic victory um, Wasps coming in on the back of a horrendous defeat really as it transpired against the Quinns team who had lost their previous four pool games do you fancy also this weekend you, I suppose you just don't know um, it's a big one for them to back up a performance because that's kind of what they've been lacking um, you know I know they beat Quinns back to back but Quinns were kind of you know it was it wasn't in any way, shape, or form their first team. So, um, yeah, it's a big one for Bolster, not just in not just in the Champions Cup, but actually in the overall context of their season. That they need to back up a performance now and build momentum. While you know Rory Best and a couple of the other you know Ian Henderson guys are away during the Six Nations because you saw the difference that Bestie makes to a side. So they need that momentum going into the Six Nations when he's not going to be there. So, um, yeah, it's just about putting back-to-back performances in, I think. Um, but like you say, you just don't know. And the problem is, Wasps will know exactly what they will have to do as well. Mm. So if they're still in the hunt, hunt, then they know that they have to get a bonus point and that makes them very dangerous. Mm. Um but yeah, you'd hope that um, you know. I I, I think Ulster w- will get a win. Um, it just depends on what happens across the road and uh, across the wall and the head-to-head in terms of what Lara Shell could do to who God only knows what poor old Queens could send over there and what happened. Like it could be an absolute massacre. You just wouldn't know. Like it's you know where Queens are at. I think Haskell sent it off last week. That one in the game, really. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, where they send you know, an A-side over to La Rochelle who need five points to get out of their group to guarantee them you know, possibly seventh or eighth spot. It could be a very long evening for Quint. Absolutely. Um, I suppose, like... Johnny, you mentioned, say, the game where you came across the tournament with Leicester and you turned Munster over like a historic day in the competition really like as a squad or even as an individual is your mindset different going into this massive game where you know you're travelling you know you're going to be almost playing against the crowd a little bit perhaps not at the Rico Arena it's not going to be packed or anything probably but you know like what's the difference in mentality required for an away game where you need a victory as opposed to a home game, particularly when you're going away and you need a victory as opposed to like coming away with a losing bonus point? Well, I think you're just out of your comfort zone and you know what you have to do. So there's a kind of sharpness and a, probably with us that time, there was a, a physical edge to training probably like no other week um, unless it was pretty bad for physical training sessions. But um, that there's just a kind of... Um, I would just a, a hard edge to training in the week because you know you're not going to have the comfort of if things go against you, the crowd gets on top. You're not, you don't have the comfort of the whole home crowd to lift you. You basically have to find that from within. So um, these weekends, you just you're a bit more uh, focused and you're you're out of your comfort zone completely. So you know you have to find the momentum and 
those gear changes from within and not rely on in any way shape or form the uh, the crowd that are there in the day yeah well before we uh, take a couple of predictions off of johnny we need to talk about leinster as well obviously sean their hard work is done and it's an experimental team one doubtless influenced by a certain Mr. Schmidt I think it's fair to say Absolutely not, Joe Schmidt has absolutely no influence on, on uh, provincial team selection as you well know Gav <laughs> so, Sorry Joe, yeah that's right uh, Jordan Larmer on the right wing, it'll be interesting to see how he goes there Yeah very interesting, obviously I think we, we expected Rob Carney to come back in for this one after after he was he was benched last weekend um, yeah I think it's very important for, for Larmer to be able to to show that he's able to cope on the wing in these big big away fixtures that's something um, in Ireland and Leicester that will definitely want to, to have a good look at him there because Kearney is still number one probably for both province and country so uh, yeah and there's a long way <laughs> for, for Jordan Armour to properly displace him there I think um, who else did Robbie Henshaw at 13 that's another one I think with a view to Six Nations that, that's very timely to, to get him a run there and uh, yeah, nice to nice to give Johnny Sexton a rest as well to um, yeah, to let give Ross Byrne a little reward for some excellent form really in the first half of the season. Absolutely, I'm sure Byrne will be uh, looking to prove a point there, having been omitted from the Six Nations squad. Johnny, I, I'm interested by Robbie Henshaw 13. I think uh, if you were to look at McConnell, like when he's played 13 and played like really expressive expansive rugby and being a sort of a, a tour de force at, at outside centre it's been probably alongside Bundyaki inevitably for in the green of Connacht and that's likely going to be Ireland's centre pairing like I've I remember speaking to Luke Fitzgerald about this last year where he reckoned that Henshaw's sort of playmaking ability is actually overstated in that he is essentially just a very a, a very impressive battering ram and defensively capable as opposed to Again, somebody who's going to, I suppose, um, break the game line constantly. What, what do you make of him as 30, uh, at 13? Like, Is this uh, a viable option for him, both in Leinster colours and Ireland colours going forward, or is it very much a, makes, a makeshift situation purely on the basis that Gary Ringwells is out? Uh, no, I, I certainly think there is. He's had some really... Um you know, depth touches in terms of hands down the edge last weekend. We had a nice, uh, you know, just a very simple 3v2 where he was under pressure. And then he had a really good long ball out to, uh, I think, Fergus McFadden on one stage. So he's certainly a very capable ball player. And it's just, he does have that versatility that you can move him around. You know, people forget that at the very start when he burst on the scene first, everyone was talking about a battle that he's going to have over the next four or five years with Rob Kearney as Ireland for Ireland's 15. And then he moved back in. So he does give you versatility and his skill set um, dictates that, you know, he can vary his game from position to position. So, um, you know, I think Luke might be a small bit, over, you know, a bit overly harsh on Robbie there. I, I, I think he he does have those delicate touches that he can use when used in the right fashion. Um, it certainly lends himself that he, he has a, you know, a, a very good, ball playing ability in the centre in that wider channel In the wider context of the competition Johnny would you agree with the sort of growing consensus that Leinster are now top dogs and probably favourites uh, slight favourites to win the whole thing Yeah uh, without doubt um, you know I think you look at you know the the kind of 10 teams that are going for um, you know are going for the 8 really you know, out of probably Leinster, Claremont, Scarlets, Munster, Larshall, Ulster, Racing, Saris, Exeter, you're kind of thinking, yeah, they're way ahead of anyone at the moment. Saris are probably the most dangerous. 
but they've lost Billy Van Apolen now with a um, uh, you know with a broken arm, so they might not you know they don't get a result this weekend, the result that's needed, they might not get out. So um, so yeah, I, I I think it's fair to say that Leinster are probably very you know very very tight favourites for both competitions. I would think they just seem to be. Um, an improving side that is ahead of everyone else and you know Munster are also an improving side but they're just not there yet but then again you know Leinster two years down a, a coaching you know a coaching ticket um, compared to um, Munster probably only two years, two months down under Van Graan you know mm. I suppose like you mentioned Saracens there and They've almost been, now you wouldn't say they've been written off, obviously they're still kind of lurking, like they haven't gone away, you know, it's that kind of a thing. But if they do get out, nobody's going to want to draw them either because you sense that once they get a little bit of momentum behind them that they kind of could, well, they'll go far again, presumably. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, I'm not sure, that, I'm not. my math isn't great, so I'm not <laughs> You're sure. You're in good company here. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know whether if they win, they get out. I, I think the two teams that no one wants and who are going to end up kind of first, uh, you know, who the Saris or Exeter might end up eighth, and you don't want either of them, you know, because I, I, I think um, they both just, they're capable of a one-off performance anywhere in Europe that can topple a top team. Um, so, yeah, you're hoping that one or two of them might hopefully go out <laughs> and then it really is, uh, it really is then, you know, you'd fancy the Irish, Irish squad, the Irish, either, you know, any of the Irish sides if they got into, into that without, out those sides, you know. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll ask you for your predictions then. We might start with Leinster. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I would say a dead rubber. It's a chance for their young guys to, um, have a go off it, but still a tough fixture on paper, um, regardless of what's to play for. Did you see the uh, young fellas getting on down there in the south of France? Uh, I think um, that group of players that is probably, uh, you know, they went to Munster and put in on a ridiculously good performance um, on uh, Stevens Air the 27th, so I, I would think that. Yeah, I think they're going to go down. I think they're going to get a win, but I don't think it's going to be in the fashion that they um, they won last week. So, or against Ulster, I think it's going to be a real tight game. But you're going to have, you know, it's a big, big afternoon for James Ryan and taking on a couple of, you know, monsters in what's in the Montpellier pack. So, um, yeah, I think they're, I think they'll stand to the test, and I think they'll grind out a victory by maybe three or four points. Uh, Ulster going to Coventry? It's a tough one. Um, depends on the other results. If Wasps have a chance of getting out, uh, it could be a tough afternoon, tough Sunday evening for them. But um, if they back up the performance last week, I think it's going to be tight. I think they might, uh, they might shade it by about two or three. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think all week long, like we've been kind of sizing up the, these games and trying, trying to 
figure out where they're going to go and then team sheets come in and make you second guess everything like, yeah. I think as you said Johnny I think if, if your prediction of Leinster winning down in Montpellier with that team comes to pass I think bookies will have to stop taking bets on them to uh, to, to win the championship it, yeah. uh, it would be a huge statement if they went without Johnny Sexton and, and Sean O'Brien and still won Johnny, uh, oh, oh, sorry Sean go on no no I think they are still t- capable of maybe a losing bonus point with that team but um, yeah no I think I think it's a, it's a big ask with, with that young younger Gents, will it be business as usual for Munster at Thomas Park? Uh, we've seen this game a thousand times before, I feel. I mean, usually, probably more often than not, it's been premiership opposition just by however the, the table is lied. Uh, Castor at home, I mean, Castor still have a slight chance of sneaking into the last yeah. eight, so it's not as if, and as you mentioned, Johnny, their coach pointed out last week that, you know, well, there's what you get for saying we don't take it seriously. Do you still think Munster can get the job done? And I suppose maybe more pertinently uh, with regards to a home quarter final can they get a 4 try bonus point in the process uh, I think yeah I think it's going to be close for you know 40-50 minutes and then I think they put the squeeze on them and they you know I think they get that 4 try in the last 10 minutes so um, yeah I, I think it will but I don't think it's going to be as easy as everyone uh, as everyone originally hoped it, it, it would be you know that victory last weekend, and it was such a resounding victory that it, it it gives them a squeak. So you just you don't know. But look, I think they are going to get five points, but the manner might be a bit different to the way everyone thinks it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the sooner the sooner it, it, it kicks off. To sit here and say, yeah, yeah four <laughs> tries, they'll win it. Not a bother. That's a definitely five points there in the bag. <laughs> Bonafide <Yeah. laughs> five pointer. That's it. Well, lads, thanks a million for your time, Johnny. Thanks for joining us, and uh, best of luck. Enjoy the rugby over the weekend. Cheers, guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Johnny, thank you. Thank you, guys. And thanks to Air Sport and to you at home for watching as well. And to yourselves at home, enjoy the rugby and uh, hopefully we see the other two Irish provinces join Leinster in the last eight. Um, But until next time, take care.